So we could be on now. Uh, possible. Definitely possible. <laughs> and we won't know because it's not. Yeah, because we don't have Facebook to. Well, I think it's time. I think we're on, Pastor Josh. So. Uh, well, hello everyone and welcome to our Bible study here again today. We are still in the book of Acts. Uh, we have a little bit left in the book of Acts before we start getting into all of the New Testament letters. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just all, we'll all act like we're, uh, I don't know, did anybody have a pen pal? Raise your hand. No. Um, did you have a pen pal? Uh, at various points. Nothing too serious. Like, I think just like... For school. For school, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a pen pal that lived in Canada, and we hmm. probably wrote letters to each other for, I don't know, like five or six years or something. Impressive. Yeah. What are they doing now? I, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should, yeah, I should look them up on Facebook or something. Um, but anyway, so we'll get to all the letters that Paul, you know, Paul writes the bulk of the letters. There's a few letters that we don't know who wrote them, and you know, Peter and John and, and uh, We'll get to all those, but today we're still in the action-packed book of Acts, where, um, was that a half pun? I don't know. I, I was thinking, yeah, <laughs> yeah. action-packed. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, you know, because the, the title of the book is really the Acts of the Apostles, you know, so there's all these acts, you know, actions going on, and we have kind of a spicy one here today. <laughs> In the city of Ephesus, so we're going to, you know, in, in just a little while, in just a couple weeks, we're going to read the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. But here, uh, we've got a riot at Ephesus. So we're in Acts chapter 19 today for our Bible study. We're going to look at just, uh, you know, 20 verses from Acts chapter 19. And uh, the heading in my Bible says, a riot at Ephesus. Uh this Paul is a real troublemaker, isn't he? Going around, yes. what, what's what's the source of all this trouble that he's causing? The gospel. The, the gospel. <laughs> yeah. Have you been led to believe that the gospel causes trouble in the world? That's just maybe just a particular way of phrasing it. But Jesus said, "I came to bring a sword, not peace." Yeah, that was that was actually when I was a vicar. That was the first text that I had to preach on. <laughs> was that one? And I. I don't. You would have thought I would have chosen the Old Testament or the Epistle reading that day. Yeah, because at that point you were still somewhat new to preaching, right? I was. I was very new to preaching. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I had, I had preached like four sermons before. You that, were feeling confident, so. like I'm going to tackle this one. You know, I think when I first sat down to work with it, I was, and then I was <laughs> like, "Ooh, this is difficult. What? What do I know about you know divisions and all that kind of stuff?" Biblical courage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but you know, Jesus said it, not me. So yeah. that, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So the gospel does, um, in a way, it does, as Jesus foretold, it, it does stir up some divisions, um, you know, in, in a manner of speaking. But we know that um, the gospel, when it is received and it is believed, then that is the, the source of life um, and unity for the church. Uh, but we're going to see some, uh, some drama here in the city of Ephesus. And why don't we just get right to that? You know, this is um, 
Paul takes these missionary journeys throughout the, the known world of the time. And so this is one of the stops. And it's kind of, uh, you know, there are on either side of, of these stories, there are some kind of crazy things going on. But uh, here we have a to-do uh, where people, people have some things that they uh, have at stake. And the gospel might be threatening to kind of take those away from them. So we have a particular guy named Demetrius and then others who get kind of riled up. So, uh, Pastor Josh, would you read, um, I guess, verses yeah, 21 through, we'll just go 21. Well, why don't we share it? Why don't you do 21 through 27, and then I'll pick it up at verse 28. Okay? Team ministry, folks. (laughs) Uh, Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying... After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. I love how throughout Acts, no little is... I, I, just mm-hmm. love that way of speaking. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Other times they'll say like, um, "No small amount or yeah. no small number of people believed that day" or something. Yeah, it's yeah, like it's this a feature. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who had made silver shrines for uh, of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. Uh, these he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, "Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth." And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, and uh, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come to disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may, uh, may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from, uh, from her magnificence. She whom all Asia and the world worship. Okay. Well, we'll pause right there very briefly. So, Artemis, you know, is, is a, um, you know, it's a Roman god. And so they, clearly this, this city, you know, was an important kind of a stronghold, so to speak, for this god. So, on one hand, I think Demetrius, you know, kind of at the last couple of verses that you read there, um, Artemis may be deposed from her magnificence, you know, she whom all Asia and the world worship. Uh, okay, so I mean, may, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he he believed in this god, this goddess, you know, and um, felt a certain way about that. But I think the the main reason why he's so upset is because it's threatening his livelihood, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a you know he and all these other you know in the silversmiths guild I guess um, like they're you know they're producing all of these tokens and and things that you could buy you know like you, you come to the temple and there here's the Artemis gift shop and mm-hmm. you can buy all these things and that was you know kind of a cash cow for them uh, as my grandma used to say cash cow it's a great <laughs> phrase um, so okay so we set the stage there um, so I'll pick it up here at verse 28 so we're in Acts 19 verse 28. Um, when they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, 
the disciples would not let him would not let him you know like hold hold me back um and even some of the asiarchs who were friends of his sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater now some cried out one thing some another for the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Two hours. <laughs> That's some dedication right there. Yeah. Um, now, we would be remiss, and I think Pastor Bugler would be upset with, with us if we did not... Um, point out that verse 32 is this is this is a good joke everyone uh this is an established joke in church circles uh that acts 19 verse 32 describes church voters meetings <laughs> let me read this again now some cried out one thing some another for the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together okay so there you go i i Pastor Bugler will be satisfied now because whenever we've read this, he always points that out. So <laughs> had to had to cover that. All right. So what is going on here um, exactly? People are, you know, Demetrius and the others are scared that they are going to lose their wealth from this Jesus fellow and this Paul who is bringing him. So verse twenty-five. Uh, Demetrius says, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. So you can almost hear him. I don't know if you could hear this, Pastor Josh. You can almost hear Demetrius like spitting out the name Paul. He's just so worked up about mm. this. Um, so I don't know anything else that you that you're picking up on here from this section that's that's worth mentioning. Well, you know, it just makes me think of of uh, when Jesus was on trial. You know, the that verse they cried out one thing. Some, or, you know, now some cried out one thing, some another. The assembly was in confusion. You know, mm. I just you know the the, the gospels say that the. Um, Pharisees and, and scribes and whatnot stirred up the crowds, and I'm, mm. you know, I'm I'm sure that some people are there were like, well, I don't have any beef with this guy, you know, <laughs> like, you know, just confusion in the crowds, but mm -hmm. uh, a little bit different of an outcome. But that just is what that made me think of there. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that is interesting. Because, because even in in this, yeah, in this crowd, yeah, they're not. It's not a unified whole. Like they're not like all. Oh, let's kill Paul or something. Because mm -hmm. um, same same with yeah, Jesus trial too. It, they had to be riled up, and even um, when they were having when they were giving testimony against him, they were trying to coordinate their efforts, mm -hmm. and they they weren't even saying the same thing then. So I think there is there is something to say, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit later too. But um, God frustrating sometimes the the plans that his enemies have mm -hmm. um, I don't know is there a, a little is there like a small feint of like Tower of Babel like confusion <laughs> to you know yeah. God will confuse uh, will confuse people sometimes when they have bad designs um, but I think it it is in in some ways it is as simple as 
a crowd getting riled up by these greedy craftsmen who are worried that they're going to lose their livelihood because there's some new god coming on the scene. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I guess they, they knew that they, I don't know. <laughs> Nowadays you can buy a lot of Jesus, you know, Jesus items. <laughs> um, I guess they could have pivoted to that. Like, yeah. well, okay, we're shutting down Artemis pr- production. We're going to go to Jesus. Not selling. <laughs> you know, but, it, but it wasn't so much the, the thing. You know, Paul wasn't like, you know, come to my sermon and now buy these, you know, cross necklaces yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> that would happen. WWJD wristbands or something. That would happen later on in the church's history. And then, <laughs> then Martin Luther came along. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It didn't take too long for that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind of interesting whether or not these guys believed in the gods. They mm-hmm. were gods, you know, if, if you think about mm-hmm. how we define a god um, and then thinking about the first commandment, you know, they were, they were possessive of, of them. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was kind of what defined them and where they found their identity and what they were willing to sacrifice other things to serve was their, their business of making gods. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little bit of irony there. You know whether or not they believed in their god, those gods. Yeah, they still in their hearts you could say acted as gods. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that, that is. I think that's one of the big distinctions that you have to make. Um, and we've talked about this before, like when we're, when we're teaching about the first commandment or teaching about the worship of false gods, like in the Old Testament. And I'm sure you guys have thought about this as well. Um, sometimes when you're reading the Old Testament, or 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 you're learning about like Greek mythology or or thing, you know gods that um, people have worshipped over the centuries um, yeah it's not it's not always just as simple as you know like well of course, well I wouldn't bow down to some wood or stone or gold or silver you know idol or something but it's not it's it's usually not that simple even I mean even the people who have worshipped Baal or Artemis or you know any number of gods um, they would kind of talk about well, you know, like like the wooden statue is more like kind of like a focus point of you know of a of a deity that's kind of somewhere else, um, but they still, you know, kind of they like to have things that they can kind of I don't know it's like a more controllable god I think if you can keep yeah. if you can keep the god in the corner of your house or in some temple, um, but I mean the god that we worship is you know he's. You can't really contain him, <laughs> um, which is good. Which we struggle with sometimes. Like we we do wish we could kind of mold, you know, make out of silver our God and kind of put him over there. And then, um, well, maybe well, I don't want him to see what I'm doing over here, so I'm going to go to the other room. Turn you know, on. yeah, turn yeah, turn him around or something. And we kind of joke about that, but we also, um, we do we we really do think that way sometimes. Uh, but yeah, but the the first commandment is more. It's that um, what what type of it doesn't have to just be a god. It could be greed or something else. It's just like, you know, has a hold of our heart uh, that we are, you know, maybe maybe not bowing down literally to, but we're bowing down with the way that we live or the hope that we have, the trust, you know, or the security that we're looking for. Um, and so we have Demetrius and these guys, their security was coming from uh, the money that they could make by making these Artemis you know, uh, memorabilia, I guess we could say. <laughs> and so they are uh, frustrated. Now, there's probably some other people, again, that are, are like, no, they're, well, I'm offended because people are saying that you should worship Jesus instead of Artemis. Um, so there's a lot going on there. But but what I am kind of uh, intrigued by in this conversation, I think this, this goes throughout the entire book of Acts, 
it goes in some ways, um, you know, it, in the entire Gospels, you know, uh, really the whole story of Scripture and even uh, our modern life is when Jesus calls you, he is calling you away from other things. And so you could, you could frame it by saying, okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to lose some other things in my life. So Demetrius and these and other people that are gathered there are thinking they're hearing about Jesus and they're focusing on what am I going to lose because of this? Mm-hmm. Either because I might follow Jesus or just because he's running around rampant now in my city. Um, what am I? What do I stand to lose from that? And so this is yeah, it's kind of a deep conversation for us today. Uh, but for you, I mean, you know, inviting you. I mean, Pastor Josh and I kind of going to discuss this, but to invite you who are studying God's Word with us today to kind of reflect upon that yourself, you know. Yeah, what have I, maybe what have I lost um, in following Jesus? Now, we'll get to what we've gained, too. Uh, but what, what have I lost? So I don't know, what, yeah, what do you think, um, Pastor Josh, what are maybe some of the things that the world stands to lose at the call of Jesus? First thing that came to my mind is uh, you lose... The right to be right. The right to uh, you lose all uh, all ability to fight somebody to withhold forgiveness. Like you know, mm, so okay. you, you you lose that right to get even with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, like so a little bit different from like the possessions that we lose. But mm-hmm. as a follower of Jesus, you know, we're he wants to take away that sinful side of us that, you know, not, not saying something that I do, but, you know, give somebody the bird as they cut mm-hmm. us off or, you know, like yeah. get even with them. Mm-hmm. We lose that right. And, you know, when you're in the moment and you're angry, it does feel like, you know, I have the right to get back at somebody. And mm-hmm. as a follower of Jesus, well, you know, you, you, you've lost that right. Mm. You've, you have no excuse. You are a new creation, and so yeah. the new creation I, dictates how you live and mm-hmm. says, show them love and kindness and mm-hmm. forgiveness. Yeah, revenge is definitely a, that's a right that, that we as sinful humans cling to desperately. Mm-hmm. We would say probably it's like an inalienable right or something. <laughs> like we just, well, we love that. That's it's a secret revenge. I even see like, like when my... Um, Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. My kids sometimes do do bad things at home. Um, I know you're 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 so you're so shocked by that. But yeah, I, I see like physically, like if, if one pushes another one or takes a toy from another, like another one, like physically cannot help themselves. Even if we're trying to intervene and say, "Don't," you know, "Don't retaliate." It's like they'll have their arm cocked back and they just like can't control themselves from, you know, sometimes we actually have to like literally hold them back. Otherwise it's going to happen. Like that revenge, you know, we want to get even and the world will even tell you sometimes, oh, well, if that, if so-and-so did that to you, then not only is it okay for you to get revenge, but you should, like you need to get revenge. Mm -hmm. Um, And oh man, everything cries out inside of us to do that yeah well like you said you know whether it's like something as as simple as getting mad at somebody in traffic or whether it's trying to you know committing to destroy someone's life because they wronged you in a deep hurtful way 
and everything in between. Yeah, the, the, the right to, to be right or to, yeah, kind of set, set things right according to our own um, flawed perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, another thing that I thought about was the, you know, kind of along the same lines, the, the right to, to be right as in even deciding for yourself what is right or wrong. Um, the, the Bible Project videos that we've been watching, they, they talk about in some of them how humans, this is kind of like, like the first sin in some ways, Adam and Eve, um, they, they wanted to define what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. You know, God has told them one thing, Satan tells them another thing, you know, with the, with the fruit. And, and they were like, yeah, it would be nice for us to have that knowledge and be able to, to redefine right and wrong. Um, one of the things I know that, that you, uh, kind of a phrasing that you, you, you have used in, like in confirmation classes, like who gets to decide mm -hmm. um, what is right and wrong. And I, I, I um, appreciate that that phrasing, because I think that's like looking at the Ten Commandments or something. Well, who gets to decide what's right and wrong in the world? Is it God or is it me? And I think when we're called to follow Jesus, we have to lay down that one too. Like, mm -hmm. well, I don't get to decide. Um, you, know, you have to you have to think about, well, I have to funnel all of my preconceived notions through God's word and see what he says about it. Um, so that, that's another thing that we, that we might lose. Um, I don't know, any, any other things, maybe? Well, you know, just thinking about that, when you look at the Ten Commandments and you think about that as who gets to decide what's right and wrong, really, you lose a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. you just going through, you lose the right to uh, go against your authority figures, unless they're contrary to God's word. You lose mm -hmm. uh, the right to physically get back at somebody, or even spiritually, or, you know, emotionally. Mm -hmm. You lose the right to get to decide whatever you want to do with your body sexually, you know, like going through each of the commandments, you lose yeah. the right, which is not a bad thing, you know, like yeah. losing the right just means, you know, that sinful side of us that, you know, is, it really wants our own way as Christians. Now it's like, okay, well you also have the, the spirit working inside you that combats that, that. And so it's, it's this, mm -hmm. This battle of okay, I I want to get even. I want to do this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a cost. Yeah. It's a cost of of being a follower of Jesus is, you know, listening to the the Spirit's call rather than your sinful nature's call. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, the Ten Commandments they still apply to us today, very much so. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, if we if we not to treat them like a checklist, but just as a, a guide, look at them. We mm -hmm. really realize, whew, we lose a lot of we we lose a lot, which is good. Mm -hmm. A lot of sinful things, but a lot of yeah. things that are hard to yeah. to give up in in life. Exactly, and I think um, yeah, as you alluded to, like we're you're, we're talking about things that we might lose, but they're not they're not bad. <laughs> they're not necessarily bad things. They're, they're like, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Um, you know it. It made me think of Jesus. Jesus describing what it's going to be like to follow Him, and part of that is you're you're losing yourself. Even you're dying to self, mm -hmm. and then you're going to rise again to new life to follow Him. So it's only in dying to your sinful self that you 
find your life and you find your life in Christ. Um, and then, and, and this, this is the, the huge shift that it's, it's uh, only by the miraculous work of God in our lives that we can look at the Ten Commandments and actually love them and think, oh, this is actually a beautiful way to live that Jesus is inviting me into and the Holy Spirit is empowering me to um, sometimes actually live out. That's why I, I think maybe you've heard me say this before. I, I talk about how I have a love-hate relationship with the Ten Commandments. You know, <laughs> as a saint and a sinner, I, we, all, we all do. It's not just me. Um, where, yeah, I mean, part of me hates them and then part of me loves them. And that's, you know, I remember when I was younger, you you would read through some of the Psalms in particular. Uh, Psalm 119, this really long Psalm where uh, over and over again talking about loving the law of God and the teaching and the commandments and all these synonyms for, for that for that word, you know, over and over again. I'm like, why would, how do you get to the point where you love the law of God? You know, I just, that, that didn't make sense to me when I was, well, it's, I don't know if it still makes sense to me a hundred percent as a as an adult yeah. pastor, um, but that wow, you know, as the Spirit works in us, we do like yeah, you know, thinking about the, the three uses of God's law, the the last one like for the Christian is a guide, and and I I do led by the Spirit love the way that God's law guides me how to live. Um, you know, kind of laying down, you know, dying to self. And this is this is a daily thing, right? It, this is what Lutherans bring this out so well that it, it is the life of a Christian is daily repenting. It's day, you're dying every day. You're rising again to new life every day. You're remembering what you've, well, I don't know if, how willingly it is, you know, laying down what you're losing maybe, but what, what Jesus uh, takes away from you. It takes away your sin, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, makes you rise to, to new life. So, yeah, lots, lots that we lose, and um, and I think that's that's kind of the the focus here too as well. Um, I don't know. There, there's some other things too. I think that that you could say we lose. Um, you know, in a more heartbreaking way. Sometimes it might be as we were kind of alluding to earlier. Jesus comes to to bring a sword. Comes to comes to divide. You know, you could lose some um, relationships with people, at least at least for a time. You know, it could be, um, you know, maybe dividing lines in a family or in a group of friends or something. Um, you know, it could also be that you lose a a previous lifestyle that you you know we kind of have danced around that too. Um, you might lose your your what you thought was your core identity, you know, before Jesus too. Mm-hmm. There's this radical reshaping that comes um, with the message of the gospel. And that's why again and again, you see Paul, there's not always a riot in every city, but there's probably some riots that didn't get written down. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you see people just re- Belling against the message because a lot of times Paul's speaking to people who are like in kind of more powerful positions. They're, or they're they're just they're secure and content in the way that they're living, and they they don't know necessarily that there's something else out there that's going to challenge um, their way of thinking. So that, that's 
in a broad, big broad way, that's kind of what's going on here. But then this is also has a more, <laughs> a more narrow focus. But, but we also don't know what was in the hearts and minds of every rioter that day either. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think, um, so getting back into the, the specific focus of the, of the text today, I thought it was, it was kind of funny with uh, this Jewish man, Alexander. Yeah, this, this crowd, um, yeah, they're just like shouting. It's like they're filibustering so he can't talk. They're just shouting <laughs> for two hours. Uh, greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. But um, yeah, I think, you know, we, we have this sense that there are other gods, um, you know, like actual uh, you know, like religions, alternate religions that people are actually practicing. And I don't know, yeah, just to, to just to think about how crazy it is for for them to hear about this this new god now that they've never heard of. You know, it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, like that's like an established religion that they're trying to sell me. But now here's like this brand new thing that the world hasn't really heard of yet. And, uh, and Paul's bringing it. Um... Okay, anything else on, on that? Otherwise, we'll move on to the, the last few verses of this chapter. No, let's move on. Okay. Um, all right, you got that for us, Pastor Josh, so verse 35 and then just through the end of <clears throat> chapter 19. And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the Ephesians is, a temp- is temple keeper of the great Artemis and the sacred stone from the, uh, that fell from the sky? Seeing that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blaspheming, uh, nor blasphemers of our goddess. If, there, uh, if therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen uh, with him have a complaint against anyone, let the, uh, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we are uh, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when they had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. Okay. So, I just, I don't know, it's just kind of an interesting ending to the, to the story here. And um, as I was reading it again, I was thinking, you know, like in preparing for this, um, it's kind of a, like an anticlimactic ending. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're kind of, you're thinking, okay, um, this is in the Bible, so it must be like really exciting. And then it just kind of like seems like things are going to be explosive and then just kind of dissipates. <laughs> um, and so, I don't know, I, I, I thought, wow, you know, this must be that Paul and the other people were kind of marveling about this. Like, oh, here's another close call that God... Um, kind of works out and you know it's like one of the few times where Paul um, doesn't get beat up yeah. or doesn't get um, arrested or something now you know um, Paul's legal trouble is going to it's just that we're just a couple of chapters away from Paul pretty much you know not being free again for the rest of his life um, but yeah anything anything in here that Stood out to you, Pastor Josh, just along those lines. Well, I just I think it's really good wisdom, and I think even for us Christians, like you know, take out what he said and apply Christianity. We know that Jesus is the Son of God who raised from the dead. Why do we have to? We don't have to try to 
you know, beat somebody into thinking that it's like we know this is true. Mm -hmm. Like the the truth can withhold people who are trying to to stand against it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's you know, it makes the it brings up like the Crusades, and it's like, ooh, they really got that message wrong of mm. like mm -hmm. you know having to try to convert or die. You know, like oh yeah, no. The, we know this is true and the truth will stand and so mm -hmm. uh it's a good reminder today of you know a lot of different different voices a lot of different people throwing stones at christianity or at the bible and it's like mm -hmm. we let what we believe stand mm -hmm. you know don't we don't god doesn't need us to defend him i i had a teacher in yeah. high school that talk about that and it really stuck and I think it's mm -hmm. very true God doesn't need us to defend him yeah now mm -hmm. there is apologetics which mm -hmm. means the defense of yeah but you know we we give explanation we we talk but we don't need to be like no no God God is real you know you gotta we don't have to be defensive mm -hmm. you know yeah the gospel does its thing on its own yeah. Jesus is strong enough to withstand people criticizing him, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's a good thing to remember that God really doesn't need to be defended. I think um, when I have thought about myself, like, well, yeah, why, why do I feel the need to dig my heels in sometimes? I think it's more like I'm trying to defend myself, yeah. you know, from like, oh, I'm, I'm getting embarrassed or nervous that I'm going to look silly in a debate with someone else who has a different worldview or something. Um, and there is, there is obviously there's a, there's a balance between like, you know, you want to know your stuff, so to speak. You want to be in God's word. You want to have given some thought as Peter talks about, you know, having, you know, a reason, you know, to give a defense for the hope that you have. So it's not just like, um, I don't know, it says somewhere in the Bible something about Jesus and, you know, I don't know, just, just go read it. Um, which, <laughs> go read your Bible is, is, a, is a fine thing to say to people, but, um, but you want to have some thought out expressions of what you believe. But, but yeah, it's not like the weight of the world doesn't rest upon you. Like, okay, I have to write my dissertation now yeah. <laughs> so that I am, I am prepared to speak about Jesus to other people. Um, yeah, it's like you, you really are... Uh, you share, you share it, and then you kind of just like, well, that's up to that's up to Jesus now. It's up to the Holy Spirit now. Um, and I, I appreciate from this. I, I just I like any stories where, um, we don't always we don't always get like the wrap up of it, but it's like okay, my takeaway from the end of this is, okay, the gospel still is having free course. To spread throughout Ephesus, and there's there's a beauty of that where in Acts, you know, we're we're transported from place to place to place to place again and again, and we don't really get any um, more information. Now, in Paul's letters, sometimes we do. It's like Paul is writing again to a church that he started, and sometimes they're really messed up, you know. So he's having to correct things. Sometimes, you know, he's writing words of encouragement to people. He's um, clarifying some teachings of the gospel that maybe were misunderstood. Uh, so we get a little bit of that as we go into the, the rest of the New Testament. But there's, just, there's that beauty where you, you think, well, I don't know exactly how that story wrapped up in the city, but I know 
that the gospel continued to spread. And we see that, you know, now, 2,000 years later, like the gospel has spread uh, throughout the world. Some areas have kind of forsaken it more, which like much of the world that Paul went, went to has kind of forsaken, you know, the churches dwindling there. Uh, there are other parts of the world now <laughs> where, you know, ironically that like, you know, the Western world um, sent evangelists, you know, to, to part, you know, um, farther away parts of the world. Now the gospel is flourishing there. Praise be to God for that. Uh, sad that in, you know, North America and Europe and Asia, it's not as much, well, parts of Asia it is, but, um, but I think there's that, that joy at just kind of, you know, knowing that the word of God is expanding and multiplying wherever it goes out in the book of Acts and wherever it goes out as, as God gives us opportunity. But, um, but there are, there are these stories where God will, uh, frustrate the efforts of enemies of the gospel. And I think this is a, this is an example of that. It's, you know, this town clerk, basically like, like God works through this town clerk and fear, um, you know, these, however many people there, hundreds, thousands, you know, whatever, like they didn't all want to get thrown in jail for, for the day, um, for having a riot. So they just kind of disperse and, um, and and yeah, what did they say? You know, basically, yeah, it's like, take them to court, you know, use the proper channels Mm -hmm. to, um, but kind of saying like, Hey, these guys really aren't, you know, they're just talking about another, now I'm not saying like the town clerk was some champion of Jesus or something, but I think God is is working through this kind of a voice of reason to give uh, more avenues for the gospel to go out. Um, yeah, just a, an interesting little slice, 20 verses from the book of Acts that shows us a an explosive situation that God kind of, you know, calms down. But it's just another example, and, and you know, of, of the gospel going out. And then, um, I mean, Paul's letter to the Ephesians is one of is one of the most beautiful mm-hmm. letters in the Bible. Um, I think, especially for Lutherans, yep. we, well, especially for like two verses uh, from <laughs> Ephesians two eight and nine. Uh, but it is, the, I mean, the whole thing is is fantastic. All six chapters of, of Ephesians, and we'll get to that very soon, folks. Mm-hmm. And you can remember some of this stuff uh, going on. Maybe some of the recipients of that letters uh, of that letter were um, avid Artemis supporters who converted to Christianity because of um, Paul and and other people preaching about Jesus. There. Mm-hmm. You got anything else for the the good of the people today, Pastor Josh? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. So, the Book of Acts. And, uh, well, neither one of us is preaching this weekend, so we, we have to, like, imagine maybe what Pastor Bugler... Well, so we're moving on uh, to the book of Romans now. And, guys, it is, you know, as, as you're starting to read some of these, like, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, some of these other letters, um, don't, don't be troubled if you have to read a chapter two times. You know, to like yeah. really, um, Especially you know how many times I have to read some, if I'm preaching on like 11 verses from one of these epistles, I don't even want to tell you how many times I have to read it sometimes to like totally <laughs> understand it. It's, it's very tricky. It's like in some, some parts of Romans, you're going to be like, am I reading a theology book? Is this what it's like to go to seminary? And kind of, yes, <laughs> parts of 
Romans are like more complicated than theological textbooks that are like trying to explain what Romans means. <laughs> um, so, but Pastor Bugler is going to be talking about baptism from Romans. Romans chapter six, phenomenal passage about the Christian life and what baptism, how it transforms us. So, we're just, we're just going to have to be Pastor Bugler's hype men today because he's because he's not here. So, uh, so join us for worship and. Keep going here, guys. We're on the home stretch of the Read Scripture Challenge. About two months left because we're going to finish Revelation like right at Christmas. And we are going to be so blessed by going through the, the rest of the... Whoops, I just tore a page of my Bible. <laughs> the rest of this... Uh, that's a sin, I think. Um, the rest of the New Testament. So, wow, that's a, that's a real shame. <laughs> should edit that out. Um, all right. Well, Pastor Josh, thanks for talking about God's Word with me today. And thanks for joining us. God's blessings on the rest of your day.